This is The Guardian. Hi, I'm Kimberly Jenkins, host of a new podcast about the unsung people behind iconic looks. I thought, okay, she's a Southern belle, but she's a Black woman. So how do I define that? In each episode of The Invisible Seam, we open up the archive of American fashion and celebrate its Black contributions. The Invisible Seam is available now from Tommy Hilfiger's People's Place program and the Fashion and Race Database. This week, I'm in the city of Plymouth on England's southwest coast, ahead of next week's local elections. With a week to go, the cost of living is really on people's minds. In my house now, we don't use the, the oven. We now use the halogen cooker because that one's cheaper. They also have a lot to say about party gate. I voted for Boris to be in, and he pretty much kicked me in the head, really. But although Boris Johnson's law-breaking came up time and time again, most people weren't keen on Keir Starmer either. There's just nothing dynamic about him. You know, he's not like a dynamic personality. So where does that leave politics and the immediate future of the country? I'm John Harris and you're listening to Politics Weekly UK for The Guardian. It's a really beautiful day. We just arrived in Plymouth, a place that I've been on journalistic manoeuvres many times. We're here because of next week's local elections. Big test for Boris Johnson and his government, big test for Keir Starmer and the Labour Party as well. This city's politics are divided pretty evenly between the Conservatives, who run the city council at the moment, and the Labour Party. It voted 60% for Brexit. It's a fairly big city that's a long way from London. There's a lot going on here, basically. I've always found that if you want to understand which way the political wind's blowing, this is a really, really good place to come. So we're going to essentially spend quite a long day here talking to as many people as we can, trying to find out what on earth is going on with this country. (laughs) Right, our first stop is a meeting on the actual campaign trail while they're knocking doors and canvassing with Tudor Evans, who's been the leader, the Labour leader, of Plymouth City Council on four different occasions. <laughs> and he's still at it. He wants a fifth go. Hello, everybody. How's the road, Michael? I know, I know. So one man we are finally in the company of Tudor Evans OBE. But tell us where we are. So we're in Butt Park Road in Honick Knoll. Yeah. And Honick Knoll uh, with Zoe Riley, who's the candidate. Hello, Zoe. Hello. And uh, Labour activists. We're here because this is a ward that last year we lost for the first time ever. And it was that recombination of, you know, the right-wing vote, which had been split yeah. between UKIP and Tory. They recombined last year. Right. And I think it was a COVID thing. I think it was a... This was the vaccine bounce, so-called. Vaccine bounce and all that, yeah. And this year, what we've got, I'm beginning to discover, is the party gate bounce. And people are getting increasingly angry with every day that's going by. You know, our, we, we're coming out with the Kia Starmer 
thing, the cost of the final demand thing. Ah, the picture of Keir Starmer on the election. Yeah, yeah, well, we're, unlike some parties, we're not afraid to put our leader on He's ours. not quite setting people's soul on fire, oh, I feel. Look. By rights. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Not just because of Partygate, yeah. because the, because Boris Johnson raised people's hopes enough to a lot of people to vote for him in the spirit of hope, and oh, that yeah. somehow Brexit would represent change, yeah, yeah. and he's let him down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you say, we've got this cost of living crisis, which I've had lots of conversations, really yeah. upsetting, very moving conversations yeah. about. Now that should make for a change moment, and we're not there yet. This isn't '97, is it? It's not. No, well, no. Twenty ten, even from well, the Tories' perspective. I mean, all right. So in Plymouth in 1995, right. We won 55 out of 60 council seats oh, yeah. on an anti-poll tax gig in 1997. We didn't win that many seats on the council. All I'm saying is Blair moments are rare. And you remember Kinnock, how far ahead in the polls he was, and then 1992. So, you know, forgive me, we're not a presidential system here. This is about who's going to empty the bins next year. I am old enough to remember when they hated Kinnock, they hated... John Smith for 10 minutes. They didn't hate Blair in the beginning, but they hated him at the end. They hated Ed Miliband. They hated Jeremy Corbyn. So, you know, if they're neutral on Keir Starmer, that's a massive <laughs> success. Okay, good. That's very good. Right. Come on, you got to watch Shall you, we go and have a you wander? do the do, yeah. yeah. Um, they're very keen to have their photo taken with you. I don't know why. Well, you say my name's Meg. Oh, um, just at the Labour Party today, ahead of the elections on the 5th. No, Wondering if you'd thought about if you might be offering us your support. No. <laughs> no. No worries. Can I give you some leaflets anyway? No, thanks. No worries. I'll leave you in peace. Have a lovely day. Uh, hi, I'm looking for Janet and Keith Dicker. Speaking I'm Tudor Evans from the Labour Party. Oh, hello. How are you? So, question. Will you be voting? Because not everybody votes in local elections, do they? Only about a third. But are you, are you, are you a regular voter? We do normally, yeah. What's well, sort of the place at elections are four and one, really? It's a mixture, by the look of it, of social housing and places that are what canvases call owner-occupied. And, um, you know, this is where all those clichés you hear might actually mean something. We are in the presence here of hard-working families and this just about managing and people experiencing the fabled cost-of-living crisis. And, but we're also in a place where it feels like the Labour Party is by no means home and dry, right? It's sort of doggedly fighting for every vote. That's what it feels like. Not, despite people's sort of outrage about Boris Johnson and how much their bills are and all that. Hi, sorry, I'm Sarah. We're here sorry. from The Guardian. Hello. Hello. We're, making a, we're making a podcast about Plymouth and the elections and things. Okay. Which explains why there's six people on your doorstep. Oh, no, there's, there's a lot of people in a small space. <laughs> Can I ask you a couple of questions? Of course. Are you going to vote next week? Yes. Do you know who you're going to vote for? Not Conservative. And have you voted Conservative in the past? I have. Right. So you voted what, Conservative in the recent past? Uh, possibly in the last one. Well, remember. 29th, the general election. Yes. You voted for Boris Johnson. Yeah. And you're not voting Conservative this time? No. Why not? I work for the NHS. So I've made a lot of sacrifices, as, you know, as, as well as others have, um, during the COVID and a few other things. Um, and I just think it's time for something different. Right. Are there, is there any particular events or new yeah, stories? I think that just all of it, really. Just how, just how he is, how he's behaved in recent months. You just, just know. What parties and all that yeah. stuff. Well, takes, I mean, I suppose they, they'd say, well, we had a great vaccine rollout and restrictions. My granddad of COVID last year, so my mum and I weren't able to go and see her. Um, I have held 
dying people's hands because their families haven't been able to come in. So it's it's not fun. It's not funny. But why did you vote for him three years ago? I voted for Johnny Mercer predominantly he's the um, local MP. because he's the local MP. Because um, my other half is in the services, so we kind Again, of and Johnny Mercer to make this clear is ex forces, right? Yes. So we kind of kind of went down that route, but but did you think better of Boris Johnson three years ago? Yes. What did you think he was then? Can I swear? If you want. Oh, yeah, I didn't think he was an asshole, but now he turned right. out as an asshole. <laughs> For want of a better word. It's quite a simple storyline, that, really, yeah. isn't it? Wow. He just doesn't behave... You know, you have an idea of how someone should behave, don't you? Particularly when they're in a position that he's in, and I yeah. don't feel that he's behaved in the manner that he should. Right. And we hear that phrase, the cost of living crisis, a lot at the minute. Yes. Are you feeling that yourself? Massively. Go on. I filled up my car the other day and it cost me £75 to fill it up. I know that feeling, yeah. Um, my husband works in pool at the moment um, and where it used to cost him £100 to fill up the tank, it's costing £150, £160. Right. So it's, we've talked to the point that he might not be able to come home at weekends to look after our daughter so I can work. What do you think of this fellow? I've got a leaflet with Keir Starmer here. What do you make of him? He seems all right. I've not, I've not looked into it, but he seems to... Seems to be fair. Not an asshole, to use the fra- the term you use a moment. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> There's always time. <laughs> That's a good way to end. Right, thank you very much. Do you want to get the number for next time we might come? We come, come, might come back to Plymouth in five or six months. Yeah. Could we maybe come and talk to you again? Absolutely. Can you, can you give Although I felt like our chat with Vicky was really important, on the way to our next location, Maz, the producer, got a bit concerned that all the anger about Boris Johnson might not reflect the whole public and mood. To get back to politics, I suppose, <laughs> what, what, what was I saying? Uh, my concern about that, my concern about that is that that's a snapshot in a Labour area. So is it really... Yeah, well, it, of course, you, you make all those uh, qualifications because it's thoroughly unscientific and all the rest of it. But the bigger point is, there are, there are two things that come out of that sort of encounter with people, which is you start to get common themes, right? And I think it's really interesting that everybody knows about so-called party gate, and everybody talks about it in the context of their own experience, right? And then secondly, it's just the way people say things, right? That's what you can look at poll data till you're blue in the face, but unless you hit hear the way people talk about stuff you don't hear it or, or hear what you what you should be hearing and people there's a moral sense to it right people feel righteously angry and if you're at the receiving end of righteous anger and you're a politician that's a pretty dangerous place to be that's what I mean and you're a conservative of all people these people who market themselves as the party of law and order and high standards and all right I, get, I, I just feel like there is a certain ambivalence with some people. Are you kidding? We've spoken to about we've spoken to about twenty people, and has anyone said anything really? A few people have said, "Yeah, they got the vaccine rollout right and stuff." But the idea that he tells lies is pretty universal. Mm. But they also, in the same in the same breath, they're saying that they all tell lies. That's true. Oh, so you're going left. That is true. <laughs> News from Plymouth, whose fight for reconstruction makes a story worthy of the glorious past of a proud city. Ever since the heart of Plymouth was torn out by Goering's bombers, 
the determination to rebuild and start afresh has never once wavered. Another step towards a happier future for a city whose spirit has refused to die. Wow. All right, John, let's get a... Now that we're here, tell us what we... <laughs> See, look at that. What are we looking at? You're not impressed, are you not impressed by that? <laughs> so this is Armada Way, which is um, the heart of the, of the city centre of Plymouth. But this was built after the war um, in a spirit of, of optimism and reconstruction and pretty careful planning, really. I've read accounts of Plymouth where they talk about it as the welfare state city, which isn't like in the sense of everyone being on benefits, but that it sort of symbolises that sort of collectivist thinking that, that took root after the war. And you can sort of feel it. It doesn't feel very British, does it? It feels like quite a sort of European space. Just a really, really wide street. And then these purpose-built post-war buildings that in their own way I think feel quite sort of hopeful and forward-looking. But, I mean, also it was built for the age of the department store. So it does also feel a bit out of time at the same time. But I've spent many happy hours of my life vox popping here, which we're about to do again. We had a chat with three generations of the same family a grandmother, mum, and young daughter. I wanted to know if they were feeling the pinch. And would you say that you're feeling the cost of living crisis yourself somewhat? Uh, yeah, well, everything goes up food, food nice. just general stuff, even gas. Gas. gas, gas, electric. I'm telling you to turn the lights off, aren't I? <laughs> I think sometimes the middle sort of the work people that are working but not what we call affluent affluent l- rolling in money yeah. i think sometimes they kind of get sort of stuck because we're not getting small amounts but uh you know oh, people used to talk about the squeeze middle yes yeah. i think a bit like that maybe because we don't get a lot of um, they were reluctant to tell me who they usually voted for but i got the sense they were sympathetic to the conservatives They said that all politicians were probably out for themselves. But when I suggested that Boris Johnson's behaviour set him apart, they cautiously defended him. He's had Covid, he's had Brexit, and to be honest, he did deal with it. But but he made the laws and he broke them. Well, yes, I know, but don't they all? Haven't they continuously for years? Politicians have we had that have broken the law? Not like this, though. Perhaps. Mm, so yeah. are you likely to vote Conservative next Both time? Mum and Grandma told me they'd voted Conservative in 2019, but they admitted to recently wobbling slightly, though not enough to look elsewhere. What, you mentioned the Labour Party earlier. What do you think of Keir Starmer? He sits on the fence a lot. Uh, yeah, I haven't really, to be honest, of late, I've not even, he's not even been on the radar that I've noticed of late. No, I haven't noticed him being around. <laughs> right, listen, we'll let you get on with your... Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Nice Bye. to meet you. Thank you. See, I'm old enough to remember what a sort of change moment in politics feels like, right, when you start to sense it. And you maybe sense it two or three years before it materialises in an election, but you know sort of things are shifting, right? And although people are talking in quite strong terms about Partygate and the fact that they don't think much of Boris Johnson and so on, right? That's not feeding through, is it? 
into a sense that everything's on the move. And that's partly because if you talk about Kistan, but people either just say, well, he sits on the fence or there's not much going on. What we've got here is this very weird tension between dramatic political events, i.e. Partygate, the war in Ukraine, etc., etc., and people still being very, very standoffish about making different choices. It doesn't really feel like any big shift is afoot, does it? And we are making a podcast, a radio pro- glorified radio program about life in Plymouth. Right. Talking to people. Don't laugh. <laughs> Can we ask yes. you a couple of questions? Of How's life at the minute? Rubbish. Go on. Because it's um, everything's money, 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 money. And single parent, two kids, you try getting the money to do just basic living stuff. Give me a sense of that. How hard is it week to week? It's very, very weak. I'm literally on my emergency on my electric until the middle of next next week. Means I've got five pound. I can't out. I've got. I don't have no lights on. I very rarely have TV on for the boy, except for the boys. That's it. I have to literally scrimp and scrape, save to do anything. Wow. And food? How's it? How's it with food, food banks? If it wasn't for food banks, I wouldn't be able to survive. Wow. My kids are fine. I can, if I'm lucky, have a tin of soup. All right, big gal, but still got to eat. By the time everything works out, I get £17 the whole month to actually spend a treat on myself. I'm not in arrears with anything. I've got nothing else to outstand. I've got no debt. So I will buy myself a pouch out of baggy. Oh. Whippity do that. That's play. my attitude. You know, everything else. My kids are happy. Totally. Is there anything you feel hopeful about looking ahead in the, the future? I mean, you've got kids, um, right? So yeah, some, well, something gets you out of bed in the morning. Them. <laughs> They're the only reason I get out of bed. They're the only reason I... Smile and don't shut up when I talk. <laughs> I haven't got a fit. I don't have a fit, and this is my problem. I'm like, and I will, you know, if I have to spit, speak and stick up for people, I will speak and stick up for people because who else is going to do? The people can't. If we are not as as a whole community can't aren't able to talk, then we may as well just sit in our homes and just wait to die. That's my. But you attitude. need people to listen. Like you need Boris Johnson and whoever else. To, oh, you rolled your eyes there. <laughs> Why did you roll Let's your eyes not on? go down to Party Central, shall no, we? No, go Let's on. not, because I think, you know, we've, meant, again, mentally suffered. We're not allowed to do this. Not allowed, you know, I've got both, both of my parents are both um, disabled, both really poorly, both need a lot of support. I've been told, you know, we, we were all told we can't go to this place, we can't go and visit all these homes. I've got two vulnerable children, so I couldn't go to, and visit my parents. Well, they're Mr. Party, Mr. party Green's out having a party. Won't be voting for him, that's for sure. Who might you? You're talking about next Thursday. There's an election. Yeah. Are you going to vote? I will be voting. Who are you going to vote for? I'm probably going for Labour. Tell me why. Because he's not in him. Because I don't. I just. I just think it doesn't matter who we vote for anyway. I, I don't. I honestly don't think the voice of the people are the ones that matter. It's how it looks. But but you're determined not to vote. Have yeah. you voted Conservative in the past? I have done before. And you're, I vote. I voted for Boris to be in. And he pretty much kicked me in the head, really. The people that voted, he's basically turned around and said, well, don't see you later. And when you say Boris has kicked you, Boris Johnson's kicked you in the teeth, it sounds like you think he's, he's distant. He's not, I don't he, think he he's, in, he's not in for the people, I don't think. Did, did you think he was? At, originally, I think, you know, you get it all the time. You get this big crusade of what the, this person's like. And then, actually, it's all lies. Personally, I'd like to take him and say, right, I tell you what, you lived my life for a week, you know, 
there isn't any luxuries. You can't just go out and go, oh, I'll go to the shop, I'll go to Marks and Spencer's and get a nice packet of crisp. I have to go and get a multi-packet of cheap crisps that taste like crap. You know, Can't live my life really for a week. You must have read about like suitcases full of booze and yeah. tables full of party food when you couldn't go out of your house. Oh, don't, because it really frustrates. I've got a sing- small bottle of cider in my fridge that's been in there for two and a half years. And I won't drink it unless it's an actual ce- celebration. We've had birthdays, we've had New Year's, we've had everything. I'm coming up to 40 this year. I'm going to drink that bottle. I don't care. <laughs> Again, fair play. <laughs> but because I'll just get me frustrated and I'm supposed to be a happy day shopper. <laughs> what, part of, what part of Plymouth do you live in? Stoneness, just okay. up the road. Uh, and what's your name? Lils. Nice to meet you, Lil. You do. Well, I don't know even where to start after a conversation like that. See, I was saying earlier this isn't a change moment. It is for her. There are so many clichés about people who need benefits to live and all the rest of it, and and obviously what happens when you meet people is they, they just fade into nothing. You know, they're every... People who perhaps for a period need benefits to live on are every bit as self-aware and articulate and confident and politically savvy as anybody else, you know. It's just by some horrible lottery they've ended up in that position, you know. Yeah, I thought she was righteous, you know. That's a... I'd like her behind the dispatch box at Prime Minister's question. I really would, you know. Saying, well, what am I meant to do? Because that's the question. Sorry, I'm well enough of it. I really, I was quite moved by that, thinking about it. Hi, I'm Kimberly Jenkins, host of a new podcast about rebels in the fashion industry, like Law Roach. I'm still going into spaces where no one who looked like me has ever been before. And I'm taking the hinge, I'm taking the door with me. On The Invisible Seam, we open up the archive of American fashion and celebrate its Black contributions. The Invisible Seam is available now from Tommy Hilfiger's People's Place program and the Fashion and Race Database. Ah, right. Hold on a minute. So there's your first sight of the sea. Well, you're looking down there into the sea off Devonport, I think, so you'll get a sense of the sort of naval aspect of Plymouth. We were on our way to meet a Tory councillor and talk about the turmoil in the local party. But first we stopped by Devonport. It's an area that's been hugely regenerated and rebuilt, and it's one of the poorest parts of Plymouth, with more people claiming universal credit than in any other part of the city. It's also a very strong community, where people make a point of looking after each other. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Are you the manager? Yes, I am, yes. This is John. Hi, nice to meet you. Sarah, Sarah Brown. Hi, Sarah. Hello. So you can sit wherever you... She took us to meet some of her regular backgammon players in an echoey and bare room set out with chairs and tables. The bay window was filled with piles of nappies, toilet rolls and washing up liquid to give out to people in need. You're called John. I'm John. So am I. Nice to meet you. There you go. Do you, um, do you follow politics much? I used to. Um, I was a major member of the local UKIP party. Were you? 
I'm during the referendum. Yes, I was right. involved in UKIP right up until and past the referendum. Right. After the referendum. So you got what you wanted? Oh, indeed. Yes, I'd been a member since mid-1990. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted. Not what I don't care. That's um, all right. Vive la Yes. Who did you vote for in 2019? The last general election. Last general election, I voted for Tory, to my shame. I've been a, I've been a lifelong Tory until um, until UKIP. Doesn't but then matter. you voted, but you voted Conservative again in 2019. Yes. You voted for Boris Johnson, in yes. other words. And how do you feel now? I think you're, I think you're an absolute waste of space. But did you ever think any different of Boris Johnson? Yes. Well, you thought he was thought he was he was the coming he, man and he'd be all yes, right. He he was. He was doing things, he achieved things. Uh, when, he, when he was Mayor of London, he was achieving things and he spoke, he talked the talk and walked the walk as far as I'm concerned. He did said what he was planning to do and a lot of it he accomplished. But what changed your mind about it? The lies he told recently against, about party gates, that is absolutely appalling. He should be thrown out of office. Wow, well, you feel really strongly about that. I do. But the thing is, who is to replace him? I don't know. I can't think of anybody who would replace him. Liz Truss. Are you serious? <laughs> she is. <laughs> and, uh, how, and how's your backgammon? Oh, I think I've tried playing backgammon in the past, and I was never much cop. Come down on a Monday morning, we'll teach you. OK, you're on. <laughs> we might have to keep politics out of it. I think if we talk anymore, it would get a bit testy. Sitting behind John was David, who was noticeably rolling his eyes at John's comments. Have you voted Conservative in the recent past? Never voted Conservative in my life. <laughs> I'm working, I've been working class, so... so you, you've tended to vote Labour, have you? I've always voted Labour. When you sort of see politics on the television now and, the, and Keir Starmer fighting out with Boris Johnson and all... I don't particularly like Keir Starmer. I don't know, he's just... There's just nothing dynamic about him. You know, he's not like a dynamic personality and politician and you know you look at him and think yeah he would be he would be really good if Boris went we got rid of Boris he would really you know he he's I don't know they just Labour hasn't got nobody at the moment that was quite an interesting exchange of a lot of sort of diverse views it's got a little bit testy on occasion but the point is as soon as we leave this room you'll be the best of friends and you'll get back to playing backgammon Yes, I would hope so. Yes, I would hope so. You, you, there may be a big fight, but I don't think so. I think we'll be playing backgammon again. Yes. yes. Well, maybe, in that work, maybe the country's not quite as divided as some people make out. In that sense, people rub along okay. No, we don't talk politics here. I think if we did talk politics here, that, then there would be the club wouldn't be as friendly as it is. It, it's by not talking politics that we we are okay. I'll just forget we were ever here. <laughs> we have done. <no> <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. We're three minutes away. OK, good. Do we need to talk about where we're going? <laughs> I'm so tired I've forgotten. We're going to meet Maddie Bridgman. There you go, we're going to meet Maddie Bridgman, a Conservative councillor, mm-hmm. to get their side of all this. I mean, you know, the Lib Dems don't really get a look in in Plymouth. There's not much Green Party presence to speak of. Politics is pretty much, apart from a large number of independents, a lot of whom have recently left... Conservative Party to become independent, you know, this is a, a two-party city, so we're going to come see the Conservatives now. Where now? Left. Christ, Mars Wrigley. What's 
Yeah, they make Mars bars and Wrigley's chewing gum. <laughs> Presumably that's what Mars Wrigley is. Um, Mars Wrigley? Maddie Bridgman is a Tory councillor who's invited us to a cafe called Al's Kitchen on an industrial estate in Estover, northeast of Plymouth City Centre. Al is a friend of Maddie's and runs the cafe, which also serves as a kind of community centre. Quite a lot of manufacturing industry still in Plymouth. Obviously, this is where it happens, right? Uh, yeah, turn left. We arrived on a big industrial estate, which at first seems strange, but there's a huge residential area behind it, which is Maddie's council ward. What? Come on, Heavy though. with the scent of mint. It does smell of mint, doesn't it? There's obviously yeah, a mint factory locally. Oh, that's... Come on, though, that is such a strong Two smell. Wrigley's, oh, man, it's Wrigley's. As if being surrounded by the smell of mint wasn't weird enough, we also found out there were wild deer running around the place. It's lovely here. I mean, look, actually, behind you, I mean, I'm not David Bellamy. This is deer poop. Oh, that's what it is. Wow. <laughs> deer running around an industrial estate. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all around That's here. So obviously, see, wait, they don't really cut the grass. Oh, now I want to see a deer. I'll be disappointed if I leave without having seen a deer. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Maddie, <clears throat> here we are. We're ten days from the May elections, mm-hmm. and it's very close in Plymouth, right? Yeah, potentially. <laughs> um, what's it, what do you think is at stake in this election? Why does it matter? In all honesty, um, I don't know, actually. Can I just have a second? Yeah. As Natalie explained... At this point, we probably need to pause and explain a couple of things. The Conservative group on Plymouth Council, which has led the city since 2021, has been in an apparent state of disarray for quite a while. There have been resignations, suspensions and changes of leadership on the Conservative side. Maddie herself says she's been badly treated, something her Conservative colleague denies. Yeah. But then, but if I was a Plymouthian voter, why should I vote Conservative if the Conservative Party's in such a state of disarray? OK, so I've gone out to my voters. My leaflet, which I'm happy to show you, isn't about what I'm going to do. It's proving what I've already done. So, for example, I've always been an avid litter picker. Um, You'll be speaking to sort of obviously Al in Al's calf in a minute. They know my track record. I mean, it's just, it's tough for the. <laughs> I mean, you can say that the Conservative Party has been the author of its own misfortunes. So you've got all these local issues, and then I've been talking to, to people here about how they're going to vote all day, and just about all of them have mentioned Partygate and the disarray the Conservative Party seems to be in mm. in central government as well. Yeah. What do you think of all that? Well, I can't really comment on central government. Um, how about Partygate? Well, I th- the thing is, I think the, I think it's, it, I had people dying in care homes, in this ward, and people writing to me because they couldn't go and hold their their children's hands when they had COVID in hospital, their their nana's hand and kiss her goodbye when she was dying of COVID, you know, in care homes and everything else. So they're bitter about that, absolutely. But then again, we've got to remember Boris did get us through Brexit when Theresa May couldn't, and also the. The whole thing with the, you know, we were, because we were out of the EU, I think the, the rollout of the vaccination programme was much, much stronger. So I think we need to think about the bigger items. And also, I don't actually think there's anyone stronger than Boris um, to actually take over. I wouldn't want Keir Starmer to take over. No, I'm sure you would, but you're a card-carrying conservative. <laughs> well, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, the thing is with me, I'm brutally honest. You ask me a question, I will answer it. Should we talk to Al? Yes. So, Al. Yes, hello. How long has your business been here? Um, 
I've been here eight years, just about to renew the lease for another three. Are you a Conservative? I am a Conservative. We've been out talking to people on the proverbial doorstep all day who are going to vote, and, and just about everyone we've spoken to has mentioned Boris Johnson and parties and rule-breaking. How do you feel about that yourself? Um, yes, naughty boy, but can you look yourself in the mirror and say you never broke one rule during lockdown? Yes. You never got less uh, closer than two metres to somebody. You never sneezed without sneezing into your, your armpit or you went out somewhere without a mask on? Uh, I certainly, during, when, when there was a mask mandate on, I, everywhere I went, I wore a mask. I don't yeah. know about sneezing. But the uh, point is, I didn't make the rules. No, I didn't make the rules and I followed and if them. If the fellow who makes the rules breaks the rules, where are we? Yeah, he's been, he's been punished. He's had his fine. He's paid for it. Broadly speaking, you think it's dealt with and you're all right with it? Um, I think it was a silly billy. Um, and it's been dealt with to a degree. Better the devil you know. Okay. And you still think he's the right man for the job? I, I actually do think he's a very good PM. He's got a lot done this time. And let's face it, he's had a hell of a lot to deal with. He's come in, dealt with Brexit, and he's dealt with the pandemic. Okay. Wow. That's true. <laughs> right. All right. Right, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's good, isn't it, to hear the the other side of the coin, really? That there are people... I mean, admittedly, people introduced to us by a Conservative candidate, so you take that with a pinch of salt, but there are people who sincerely say that, that, that they think what Boris Johnson did wasn't right and so on, but they're prepared to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, But it's only two and a half years since he was Mr Get Brexit Done, you know. And he got an 80-seat majority, and I suppose Al is the voice of the sort of voter who, who made that happen. You know, it's not, It wasn't very long ago. And also, Al has seen the wonders of, <laughs> Al has seen the wonders of, of, of economic intervention, ironically enough, hasn't he? Laid on by a Conservative Chancellor, which is that his business was kept afloat by the fact that he had three of his staff furloughed and he got quite a lot of grants and he had to help out money, and that's kept him afloat. Oh, I'd feel pretty good about Rishi Sunak if I was in that position, I think. I don't know. It's a big thing, though, isn't it? It's still the key topic of conversation. I got a feeling they're a bit like, well, this must happen all the time in people's workplaces and around the breakfast table and at the bus stop and all that. Partygate, <laughs> which broke as a news story months ago, didn't it? Like four or five months ago. It's still conversational topic number one, isn't it? And I get, and that gives you a sense that I'm not sure the government's not going to get out from under it, really. That leaves open the question of whether the Labour Party's in any position to really do well on the back of it. But it's a big thing, isn't it? It's just this thing that sticks to Boris Johnson now. Thanks for listening. We want to say a big thank you to all the people who spoke to us in Plymouth. I'm also going to mention The Guardian's new daily newsletter called First Edition. It'll give you the day's top stories and explain why they matter. Start your day with clarity and find First Edition in your inbox every morning at 7am. This episode was produced by Natalie Katena, original music was by Axel Cacoutier, and the executive producers are Maz Ebtahaj and Nicole Jackson. I'll be back next Thursday. Hi, I'm Kimberly Jenkins, host of a new podcast about rebels in the fashion industry, like Law Roach. I'm still going into spaces where no one who looked like me has ever been before. And I'm taking the hinge, I'm taking the door with me. 
On the Invisible Seam, we open up the archive of American fashion and celebrate its Black contributions. The Invisible Seam is available now from Tommy Hilfiger's People's Place program and the Fashion and Race Database.